On today's Locked On Royals podcast, we're going to dive into the Kansas City Royals series with the Minnesota Twins. Yes, they got swept, but what can you take away from this series with Minnesota? Everything from almost getting no hit to Salvador Perez hitting another home run and getting shut out again this week. All this and more coming up on today's Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals. Email the show, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. On today's show, we are recapping the series that was against Minnesota, against the Twins, and going to look forward to this series coming up against Boston this weekend. So thank you so much for making Locked On Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. Subscribe for free anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. For your second listen, folks, go check out Locked On Chiefs. Go check them out. They have you covered with everything Kansas City Chiefs related. It's a fun time, and it's a fun day. We're recording Thursday's podcast today, right after Thursday Night Football, uh, so that way we could recap this twin series tomorrow. We're going to talk about rule changes so we're going to talk about rule changes and preview the weekend tomorrow. So I wanted to wait and record Thursday's podcast until after the the Chiefs and Royals game. They went on at the exact same time. Uh, and so that was a very, very electric game for Kansas City. Looked terrible in the first half in the sense of it didn't look like the Chiefs were going to pull it out necessarily. But second half came around. Chiefs look a lot, lot better. Um, check out Locked on Chiefs. They're going to have you covered for how that game went as we head into another college football weekend. Check out Locked On Jayhawks. Check out Locked On Mizzou. Check out Locked On Wildcats as well. Uh, also, Locked On Cornhuskers, Locked On Hawkeyes, Locked On Cyclones, Locked On Sooners. Whatever team you need, Locked On Pokes, we've got you for college. We've got you for MLB. We've got you for NBA, NFL, NHL. We've got it. Whatever team you need, plus national shows, which is a good time also to remind you about our good friend Paul Francis Sullivan who hosts Locked On MLB, and there's still a lot to be determined in the playoff race. After sweeping Kansas City, the Twins are now four games back of the division, so this division is not locked up by any means. The White Sox are three games back, and the Guardians, of course, hold a three-game lead on the division. Uh, even the AL East, you know, six and a half games separate Toronto and New York, seven games separate Tampa Bay and New York. I think that New York will eventually have that wrapped up, but uh, still... Slim chance. 
In the NL East, I mean, this is still a very, very wide margin. You have the Mets, uh, or say slim margin. You have the Mets only a game up on the Braves. That's going to be a fun one to watch down the stretch of this season. Cardinals seven and a half up on Milwaukee. And the only division that's officially clinched is the NL West, where the Dodgers took care of business. In terms of wild card races, Baltimore still finds themselves uh, four and a half back of Tampa for the last wild card spot. In terms of wild card positioning, it's very close. Tampa is just a half game back of Seattle for the number one wild card spot, uh, and a half game back of uh, Toronto for the number two wild card spot, as those two teams uh, are tied in win percentage. Uh, for the number one overall wild card spot in the AL. In the NL, the Brewers are just a, a game and a half back of San Diego for a wild card spot. And San Diego's two and a half back of Philadelphia for the second wild card spot, and ten and a half back of Atlanta for the first wild card spot. So a lot still up in the air. Check out Lockdown MLB for all of the national perspective on rule changes and on um, you know the race to the playoffs. Paul Francis Sullivan, he'll have you covered over there, call him Sully, uh, and he'll, he's talked to rule changes on a national level. I want to talk about how they kind of change maybe the Royals' philosophy in, in certain avenues and how uh, they benefit Kansas City specifically. Um, like a lot of other teams, I want to look at it in more of a Royals-centric focus, but he also covered the rule changes, changes as well. That'll be on tomorrow's show. On today's show, we're going to dive into this Twins series. And taking it all the way back to Tuesday, and that was the game in which the Royals, they, you know, almost got no hit. They were able to salvage it by Bobby Witt Jr. collecting the first hit of the day of two in the ninth and driving in MJ Melendez, as well, of course, going to score did Hunter Dozier. Sorry, did Hunter Dozier. So that was also, of course, a great thing as the Rose pick up three runs in total as Riviero scored Bobby Witt Jr. in that inning as well. So we talked about that game. That was our whole podcast for Wednesday. The Wednesday contest, we have not talked about yet. So on Wednesday, the Royals get blanked four to nothing. Another just disastrous game from the offense. Sonny Gray goes three innings. I mean, I'm sorry, goes up three hits in seven innings. So he pitched seven innings with eight strikeouts, three hits allowed, no runs allowed, one walk, which was the lone walk of the day. The Royals drew one walk in nine innings. One walk. The Royals had 32 at-bats in this game. And they drew one walk. In 32 at-bats in this game, the Royals had six base runners. Because they also got a hit off of Thibar and a hit off of uh, Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez, who of course in Kansas City, was the worst pitcher in baseball. And now this season, split between, I believe, Baltimore and Minnesota, he has a sub-3 ERA. It's a 2.26 ERA this year. After being the legitimate worst hitter, I mean, I'm sorry, worst pitcher in baseball for Kansas City. 
So once again, the Twins pitching staff just dominates KC. KC gets five hits with one walk, so six base runners total, but none of them timely enough for a run to score. Bobby Witt Jr. has a double. That's the only extra base hit of the day for Kansas City. So he had a single by Andrew Melendez, a single by several Perez, uh, and then two hits for Mike Massey, both singles, of course. The double by Andrew Melendez, his 27th of the season. With runners in scoring position, KC went 0 for 3. Six left on base for Kansas City. Sonny Gray just flatly outdueled Zach Grinke. Zach Grinke's four innings of work, five hits allowed, three runs allowed as well, three walks. He did have one strikeout, though. Bullpen wasn't too bad. Uh, Koss comes in for one batter, uh, is able to, um, I'm sorry, two batters walked, one struck out one, um, and then gets replaced by Amir Garrett, who goes for a strikeout and records another out with a uh, with a sack fly, I mean, not a sack fly, with it, just a fly out. So no runs allowed from the Koss-Garrett inning in the fifth. In the sixth and seventh, it was uh, Carlos uh, Hernandez who went two innings of work, two hits, one run allowed, one strikeout, another another outing from a guy who, you know, last year at this time was on a hot streak. He looked like he was going to be part of the rotation. He looked like a guy that could be in the in the fourth, fifth spot for a long time to come in Kansas City. That's what that's what the projections were this time last year. For Carlos Hernandez, and now he's coming out of the bullpen, and you know he's he's serviceable out of the bullpen, but he's not like lights out out of the bullpen uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He still boasts a seven point eight eight ERA. It's just another guy who's taken a step back, sadly, within this pitching staff. And, and I don't want I don't want the breakout of Brady Singer to take away from the outrage or or just the concern or just the the want for the Royals themselves to change you know, their pitching philosophy, to change their pitching coach, to change their pitching strategy. I think it is time for Cal Odris to go. I think that it's time for him to, you know, move on and the Royals to move on from him. And there was a just full-blown investigation into the Royals uh, pitching malpractice in terms of developmental side of things that I want to get into coming up. Uh, but Luke Weaver comes in, has another good outing. So back-to-back good outings for him. One inning, one hit baseball with a strikeout. And this is what I was talking about with the trade line with Luke Weaver. Um, when you have a surplus of hitting guys, you know, like, I, I know this is two bad games to use that example on, but whenever you're ranking your your talent, right, when you're ranking who you want at-bats to go to, the following players have to rank ahead of, of Emmanuel Riviera. MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., you know, uh, Salvador Perez ranks ahead of him, obviously. Uh, Mike Massey, Nate Eaton, uh, Drew Alters, Nick Lofton, um, Nick Prado. You know, those guys all rank ahead of him. And then what happens when Mondesi's healthy? What happens when Nicky Lopez is, you know, of course, healthy and around still next year? Uh, Michael A. Taylor plays Gold Glove Center Field. You keep him around. Like, now you are rolling deep of, uh, with guys who rank ahead of Emilio Rivera. So his leverage, that's not even to mention, you know, Nick Lofton or guys like that who have been drafted and not made their de- debuts yet. You know, so his leverage of playing time just was not there. Whereas when your pitching staff is in shambles, 
you can use Luke Weaver as a flyer more so than Emmanuel Rivera. So you made that swap, and Luke Weaver struggled in Arizona. He struggled to start his career in Kansas City. But back-to-back solid outings from him out of the bullpen. Dayton Moore's known. You know, let's let's give him credit here. Uh, he's he's not a very great um, GM or president of baseball ops, however you want to phrase his title. He's not great at it, despite winning a World Series. The one thing that he excels in, though, that, that is undeniable, you can go back and forth in his draft pick, Bunlunders, and uh, his his weird pitch, you know, his weird kind of team-building strategies. The one thing you can't go back and forth on and quabble with is his ability to to create a bullpen and curate a bullpen. Uh, and so, you know, he finds these guys like Luke Weaver. And I think that Luke Weaver, based on these last two outings, can be somebody who takes an offseason to adjust to life in the bullpen, who takes a spring training next year to get ready for a full season in the bullpen, how to exert himself for one inning, how to leave it all out there, throw the kitchen sink at him. And he can be a guy who is a nice bullpen addition for you next year, I, I think. And these last two innings, you know, you know, two innings, two outings from him have kind of shown that, have kind of shown um, what he can provide, what he can do um, in that bullpen role, where you, where you kind of forget about him being a starter, you forget about how high he was drafted by Arizona. You forget about the expectations on him pre-draft. And you just look at what he is now. What he is now is a guy who could be a you know, fireman out of the bullpen. It reminds me a lot of Luke Hochaver. Now, Luke Hochaver got to do it with the same organization he was drafted by. But, um, you know, drafted high, expected to be an ace out of Tennessee. It never worked out that way. But eventually became a critical part of a bullpen that was historic. And, of course, eventually went on to go to the playoffs, go to the World Series, all that fun stuff. But speaking of fun stuff. Let's talk about Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find the latest football league breakdowns, developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head over right now to the website or even use your mobile device and learn more about the trends in action this season. But online is where the game starts. Check it out right now. Bet online, folks. And it's this easy. You type in betonline.net in your URL search bar. You go to their sports book and you can bet on anything. You can bet on football, both pro and college. The Dolphins right now. Three and a half point underdogs on the road in Baltimore. You can run baseball right now as you look for the lines for Friday. The Royals are one and a half run, run underdogs against the Red Sox with John Hazley on the mound against Michael Walker. You can also bet on what I like to do is future bets and special bets. The MLB specials will Aaron Judge hit over or under 63 and a half home runs. The over is minus 150. I should say uh, the under is minus 150. The over is plus 120. Uh, and do the Dodgers beat the Mariners regular season win record? The answer yes is plus 2,000. The answer no is minus uh, it's minus 10,000. So you can go check that out right now uh, with the future bets. There's also like most valuable player odds. So who will win the American League MVP? Judge is minus uh, 3,000. Otani is plus 900 uh, with that heated MVP debate. You can also bet on MMA, boxing, UFC, NBA, NHL, whatever you like to bet on, you can bet on uh, by going over to our good friends over at betonline.net.
We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com. Now, I want to thank you right now for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball for your second listen Check out Locked On MLB for the national perspective on baseball. Check out Locked On Chiefs for the recap about the Chargers game. Check out Locked On MLB prospects for the stars of tomorrow. We've got you covered. Anywhere you look, anywhere you turn. Also, if you're a college fan, we've got your favorite college teams also on there uh, for the Cyclones, Hawkeyes, Wildcats, Tigers, Jayhawks, Sooners, Pokes. I think I've covered kind of the whole region uh, and crossover and overlap of Royals fans to college fans, but whatever team you have, you can go check them out for MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, college, all that fun stuff. Now, I do want to talk about the athletic investigation hit piece on the Royals pitching developmental woes. Basically, the gist of it is all these guys have sucked that they drafted in the first round and executives around the MLB believe that they wouldn't suck if they were in a place like Tampa Bay, if they were in a place like Cleveland, if they were in a place like the Dodgers, who, who uh, you know, develop pitching talent at a high clip and do it very efficiently, do it very good, uh, and the Royals' reputation of doubling pitchers is down the toilet, as it should be. Um, the reason I bring that up, again, is to just reaffirm that in my opinion, the Royals need to make a change this offseason. That change can be as dramatic as dumping Dayton Moore, and I would not bat an eye. Like, I would not come on here crying the next day if Dayton Moore is no longer a part of the Royals organization. I don't expect that to happen, and I do not hold Mr. Sherman to that standard of, of dumping Dayton Moore by any means. It can be as reduced as simply firing Cal Eldridge, and that's the only move that they make. Or it can be as in between as firing Cal and Mike Matheny. But they have to do something. If they come back next year and, 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 and we ramp up this whole thing again and, and, and you're back in Surprise, Arizona, you're back at spring training, everyone's feeling the good vibrations, but Dayton Moore still employed by Kansas City, Mike Matheny still employed by Kansas City, Cal Eldridge still the pitching coach for the Kansas City Royals. If all those things happen, then it will be a massive failure of an offseason. No matter who they went out and signed, no matter who they went out and traded for, no matter how much better they assume that these young players have gotten. What I want to have happen is I'm perfectly fine with keeping Mike Matheny. I'm perfectly fine with, as much as I push back on the near that he's some great GM, I don't think that you have to fire Dayton Moore by any means. Uh, so I think that keeping Matheny is fine, keeping keeping Moore is fine. But if they keep Cal Eldridge around, that is a that is a you know just despicable move and one that is not inspiring, one that's not good for your franchise, one that sets you back many 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 years, one that you just cannot do. You just cannot do it. And I, and I think that this athletic article comes out the right time because I think that with the Chiefs starting up, with you seeing Brady Singer have a ton of success, with even, you know, 
if you if you only tune in at the right times, right? Like if you only like look, this team's been buried and dead record wise since May. So if you've been tuning in and out, in and out of Royals baseball, you could have only seen the segments of the season where Chris Bubich looked really good, where Daniel Lynch looked really good, and you're seeing now how elite the pretty singer looks. And you can think, hey, you know, they're starting to turn things around after the deadline. You know, these young pitchers, hey, taking a step in the right direction. But we immediately saw Chris Bubich come crashing back down. We immediately saw Daniel Lynch come crossing back down. We immediately saw John Hazley come crashing back down. Like We immediately saw those things regress to where I believe that it's great that Brady Singer figured it out, but it seems like he figured it out on his own. It does not seem like Callender's had any, any helping impact in that, given that he hasn't helped anyone else a part of, as a part of this team, as part of this you know, franchise, as part of this you know, grouping. And that is what this rebuild is, 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 is based off of. This rebuild is based off of these pitchers, Jackson Kowar, Daniel Lynch, Asa Lacey, Brady Singer, Chris Bubich. It's based off of these guys who you drafted in the first round to overhaul your franchise, to become the selling points of your team, and they just haven't. They just haven't. So you need a new voice. You need new leadership. And, and, I, and I reference it back to looking at the hitting numbers before and after the firing of Terry Bradshaw. Immediately after they fired Terry Bradshaw, for like the next two months, the Royals were a top 10 offense in baseball. And that's just with an interim guy. It's just with a, with, a, with a simply with a new voice, not a new philosophy, not a new kind of uh, you know change. I mean, you you, you talk uh, to people in and around baseball, they'll tell you how little you can actually change within a season. Remember that year where where Mike Mustakas was getting that dramatic shift, and and people kept asking him, "Why aren't you just bunting down the third baseline?" And he said, "Well, I didn't work on bunting in spring training." They can't even add bunting to their repertoire. These baseball players can't within the season. So it's not as though the new interim hitting coach did a whole lot. It's just the simple fact of a new voice and just minor teensy-weensy twinks. So imagine how much more of a step they'll take once they hire a guy full-time who, who has a full offseason to curate this perfect program for his hitters, who has a spring training to implement his philosophies and teach these guys the way he wants, to, wants them to approach every at-bat, every pitch, every scenario. And, and they can take another step off of the step that they've already taken. We've seen that change is a good thing in Kansas City. We've seen that changing the guard helps in a big way. So in seeing that, you have to still believe that the Royals need to change their pitching coach and and need to get rid of Cal Eldridge. I'm perfectly fine with keeping Dayton Moore. I'm perfectly fine with keeping Mike Matheny. Now again, if Sherman wanted to get dramatic and wanted to get all three of them gone, I can't come on here and defend any of the three. Like I can't beat the drum for any of the three to stay long-term in Kansas City. They have not earned that right, even with Dayton Moore's World Series ring. But I think that you keep Moore, you have to keep Matheny, just move on from Eldridge. That's what I think that you should do, and that's the way I think the bare minimum is for Sherman and this Royals organization. I think that that change would be enough to reinvigorate the fan base, to at least re-engage them in the idea of these young pitchers. Because if you bring back Kyle Eldridge, and you bring back all, you, you bring back the pitching coach, you bring back all the same pitchers that we've seen fail for the last four years, you bring back the manager, you bring back the, the president of baseball ops, you bring everyone back. Then what is the selling point? What is the, you know, what is the kind of, you know 
reason to pay attention in surprise, to pay attention in April, to pay attention in May. Because the last few years you could bank on, hey, you know, look at our record in September. That's not the case this year. You're getting shut out in September. You're getting swept in September. You're, you're below 400. It's not the case this year. The last few years you can point to, hey, look at Brad Keller's end of the year. Look at look at Chris, uh, look at Carlos Hernandez's close of the year. You can't do that this year. There's one guy who's playing well, Brady Singer. There's one guy. So you don't have any of these manufactured selling points anymore. You've got to do something tangible. You've got to do something that we can actually see, feel, and appreciate. And the bare minimum to me is is on October, you know, seventh, whenever it is the season ends, you fire Cal Eldridge. And you know, look, it's never great to to call for anyone's fire to call for anyone to be out of a job, but it's not as though Cal Eldridge has not had the opportunity to change his philosophy, to change whatever he needed to change. To, to get this thing trending back in the right direction. He's had ample opportunity. Ample opportunity to do so. So that's where I'm at. I think that the Royals, of course, need to make a difference, need to make a change um, in what they're doing. But yes, as the Royal season ends October 5th, that should also end the tenure of... Mr. Kalaltrich in Kansas City. As for Thursday night, the Royals lose 3-2 to two on Roberto Clemente night. And Salvador Perez, though, he hit a home run. Mike Massey hit a double. Since we, since we don't have that, that tirade about uh, the pitching situation in KC, we'll recap this game more in depth, plus preview the weekend, plus... Go over MLB rule changes all coming up on tomorrow's show on Friday. But the reason that Thursday's show was delayed till the evening night time uh, is because I did want to recap this series as a whole uh, on a more broader sense than just one game at a time because I knew I wanted to do the rule changes stuff on Friday. So let me know what you think about Cal Eldridge. Let me know what you think about the Royals all coming up uh, down below on the comment section down below on YouTube, on Twitter, all that good stuff. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.